live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. What is up? Welcome on in. You are listening to Wild Card Sports live on Clear Lake Today Radio. I'm your host, as always, Will. Flying kind of solo here without Chuck or Steven today. You know, I'm thinking out there for all y'all listening. Of course, if you've been listening the last few weeks, you know me, the native Chiefs fan, still on cloud nine, cloud nine right now. Chuck, Steven, not going to come, you know, my the week after they win the Super Bowl to let me gloat? I, I don't know what's going on there. But needless to say, we got a great show for you today. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, my good friend here, Devin Williams, going to be joining me in just a little bit. Uh, going to break down some of that Super Bowl 54 action as well. Rockets unveil a new lineup, small ball, one of the smallest lineups we've seen in the last 50 years as well. Astros got a new general manager on the books. Going to be a great show, but we have got to start talking about Super Bowl 54, Kansas City Chiefs winning 31 to 20. You know, before I bring Devin on and before, you know, we really talk about the Mahomes brilliant fourth quarter, the Shanahan choke job, I want to talk about something that's been kind of a footnote and people aren't really talking about it as much as I believe they should be. You know, I look back to last year for the Kansas City Chiefs after being bludgeoned by the Pats run game in the conference championship to the tune of 176 yards. That moment right after that was what defined this Chiefs team. The Chiefs made a commitment to change. Moreover, Andy Reid in the front office. Obviously, at that point, they got rid of defensive coordinator Bob Sutton and hired Steve Spagnola to really transform this defense and make a commitment to playing better on defense and, of course, letting Patrick Mahomes do what he does. So, of course, over the first 10 weeks of this season, the Chiefs' run defense gave up 1,481 yards over, what, about 100 and, 100 and, or I'm sorry, about 200 attempts. So, essentially, they were giving up about 150 yards per game. And at that point, the Chiefs were 6-4, and four, still had the commitment to the defense, but maybe not everybody on their side at that point. Over these last nine games... The Chiefs have really turned, had really turned into the, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. Last nine games, 890 yards, less than 100 yards per game. But yet, this seems to be a footnote that people are talking about with the Kansas City Chiefs. This, I believe, is the mark of a great team. We've seen this in the past. Look no further than two years ago. The, the New England Patriots played the Philadelphia Eagles in the, in the Super Bowl. The Patriots gave up, what, 41 points, gave up over 500 yards. That offseason, Bill Belichick went in there and he said, never again am I going to lose because of my defense. He overhauled the defense. Patriots go out there, win a Super Bowl. I think this is going to start to be a reoccurring theme. Teams willing to make changes. And moreover, of course, Mahomes was brilliant in the fourth quarter. We have to talk about the Shanahan choke job. But moreover, people have to give credit to this Kansas City defense and recognize for what it recognize it for what it is. One of the best defenses over the last nine games that we've seen in quite some time. So with that, I'm going to bring on uh, one of my co-hosts for today, another Texans fan here, a hopeless Texans fan, Devin Williams, joining us. Devin, I'm going to I'm going to start off asking you this. First off, thanks for coming to the show. No problem. Gotta gotta start off asking this. Yeah, we can talk about how great Mahomes was, the Chiefs defense, all this. But at the end of the day, the 49ers had a 10-point lead in that fourth quarter. Eight minutes left. Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan now being the offensive coordinator a few years ago for the Atlanta Falcons, blowing the 28-3, which is not all on him. But now with the San Francisco 49ers loss, his team's have now been outscored 44 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to ask you this. Jimmy G missed some throws, but watching that game, 
If we're going to say the 49ers blew it, do you think it's more on Jimmy G or Kyle Shanahan? Uh, uh, if you had to put the blame on somebody, I would say it's probably going to go towards Kyle Shanahan. Um, I, but honestly, I think that the Chiefs are just that good, man. And once they get rolling, it's a tough, it's a tough ball to stop. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mahomes in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was almost like a, a, a switch flipping for him. But at the same time, I, I feel like the 49ers made it a lot easier on them than it should have been. I'm I'm gonna agree with you. It's it's Kyle Shanahan that who it's on at this point because I'm I'm watching this game and what, what let's go back to the end of the first half. The the 49ers have the ball three timeouts and what about a minute and a half left. They what run a couple plays essentially end up running the clock out, not making any attempt. And from an analytical perspective. Every possession is worth something, and you have to go for it on every possession, or else you're wasting opportunities. So they show no faith in Jimmy G at that point. But let's fast forward to the fourth quarter. 17 plays for 49 yards. Only four of those 17 plays were run plays. I, I just I, it baffles me that, of course, he's going to commit to the run game in this con- in those conference championships. He's going to commit to the run game all year. He's not going to show any faith in Jimmy G at the end of the first half. And then he's not going to. And then he's going to put it all on Jimmy G's shoulders at the in the fourth quarter. I'm with you. I think this is on Shanahan. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened. You know, really with any team that plays the Chiefs. You know, when the Texans were up 24 nothing in the first quarter, no one in in the world watching the game thought that that game was over. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a sense of panic. Even when the Titans went up, mm-hmm. it was still just a sense of panic. Just anytime you see a little flash of Patrick Mahomes doing anything, everybody starts to get a little uneasy on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. People get away from what they do. Um, you know, like you said, the 49ers run the ball. It's what they do. It's who mm-hmm. they are. They got away from it, mm-hmm. right? Only four plays are running plays. Mm-hmm. They got away from it. They start to, you know, and that's what the Chiefs do. And when you have a player like Patrick Mahomes, he makes you do that. He, you know, you you stray away from your identity mm-hmm. as a football team. And, you know, it, it's it's good to see for some people, but... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's 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 certainly important to talk about Mahomes in this, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, the one thing you just can't do as, as an opposing team, which we've seen over the last three weeks, there's been three games, every team's had a double-digit lead over the Chiefs. And as you said, every team seems to have panicked or gotten away from who they are. I mean, we look at what look at what happened in the conference championship with Derrick Henry and the, and the Tennessee Titans. Now, granted, obviously you know things changed throughout that game but derrick henry what 17 carries 69 mm-hmm. yards in that game something something around that it just seems like the 49ers wasted an opportunity and for me you know moving on past this for the 49ers just talking about this solely you know people are talking about well okay yeah maybe shanahan blew it maybe jimmy g blew it but at the same time like it's not like this is something that they're not going to be able to repeat or emulate in the future but i don't know i look at past teams from the super bowls and whether it's the Falcons, whether it's the Rams last year, it just seems like a huge missed opportunity. It is so hard to get back to the Super Bowl. And I don't know. I'm looking at Jimmy, Jimmy G. And yeah, Garoppolo missed some bad throws. And like I said, we, I think we both put the blame on Shanahan. But Garoppolo missed some throws. And I don't know. You think it's crazy that maybe this next offseason or maybe next year we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo in the same breath as Jared Goff? And by that, I mean, think about last year after that Chiefs-Rams game. In the regular season, uh, Jared Goff, by all accounts, outperformed Patrick Mahomes. People are talking about Jared Goff getting them to the Super Bowl. After that Super Bowl and going into this year, people are talking about whether the Rams made a mistake by giving him that huge extension and whether it's time for them to move off. I don't think it's crazy to think that we could be talking about Jared Garopp- or I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo in that same breath these upcoming years, especially if they don't get back or they have a huge fall off. No, I don't think they're going to move off Jimmy just yet. Uh, Jimmy had a good game. 
uh, if you go back to the stats, J- Jimmy played well. In the uh, first half, maybe. But Patrick I mean, Mahomes but, didn't play well in the first half. Yeah, but I know? mean, in the, cl- in the crunch time, Jimmy he missed G, one big throw. He missed a couple throws. He, missed he had one bad big interceptions. Throw. So did Patrick. Okay. You I'm know? just saying, we, this is the same type of thing we're talking about Jared Goff last year in, in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, that my point overall is it's not easy to get back to the Super Bowl. No, it's not. And if we're talking about the amount of money that the 49ers are paying to Jimmy Garoppolo and the amount of free agents that they're going to have coming up here, I'm just saying this was a huge missed opportunity. And I think people are taking it lightly, the, the type of opportunity that the 49ers missed. And I'm just, I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to get back in the future. Uh, I think, you know, they, they have a good core right now. They have a young core. Uh, the offensive line is very good. They have uh, Joey Bosa, uh, our Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa yeah. Nick Bosa. Um, they have uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, they have Kyle Shanahan. I think they'll be back. Um, you know, well, like you said, we did say the same thing about the Rams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's hard to tell, but uh, I think for right now they're okay. Uh, like I said, Jimmy G played well. Um, he missed a couple throws late in the game, which which he needed. But uh, overall, he had a better game than Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, I, I'll disagree with you there. I, I mean, of course, first half, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna give the nod to Jimmy G. I mean, he put them in a place to be tied. Uh, it, of course, he made some throws to get up. But I, you know, I, watching that game, there was a lot of missed throws he had to George Kittle, or not missed throws, but just not throwing to him in general. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were things that that made me question his ability to be the guy. But at the same time, I mean. You know, we, we, we look at a Super Bowl that happened last year where, where the Patriots rely on their defense. I mean, Tom Brady didn't play a good game by any account. So the, I think they believe they can get to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, with this defense and with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just the problem. If they run into a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that are so good of taking you out of your element, forcing you to do things that you don't want to do, then it, it's going to be on Jimmy G's, or Jimmy G's uh, you know, back at some point. And I'm just starting to question whether or not he's the guy that's going to be able to do that. But let's talk about the flip side of this. Kansas City Chiefs, man. How good was Patrick Mahomes in that fourth quarter? Just incredible. He's unbelievable. Incredible. He's Absolutely unbelievable. incredible. I mean, and to think that we've got, what, 15 more years, 10, 15 more years of him and Andy Reid. I mean, it's it's miraculous. I mean, it was a different feeling. You're, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head when we talk about that Texans-Chiefs uh, game or even the Titans-Chiefs. It was nobody was necessarily thinking the game was over. I mean, I'm not going to say that I wasn't worried as a Chiefs fan, but at the same time, it felt different in this 49ers game when they're down 10 with eight and a half minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. You know, they get him in that third and 15 spot, and he has a long pass to to Tyreek Hill to get the first down. You know, this was one of those games where it was just, it was it was a coaching flex and it was a quarterback flex. These this was Andy Reid putting a stamp on that this is the best offensive mind in football and this is the best quarterback that we've seen in the last 10 15 years. He said that after the game too. I Andy Reid said that that they're going to be back and the, the, you know they're going to continue to do this because they've got number 15 back there. Yeah. I mean it, it's just it was absolutely so much fun to watch and we talk about the 49ers blowing it. But I mean like I said you 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 hit the nail on the head when you talk about the reason that we can say the 49ers blew it is because the Chiefs put them in a spot where you know they got out of their element. They got out away from what they like to do as a football team and that's that's due to to number 15. So, you know, obviously they're, they're, the first half was abysmal for, for Patrick Mahomes, but some of those throws that he made in the second half were just some of the greatest Super Bowl throws that I think I've ever seen, and maybe I'm a little biased as a Chiefs fan for that. So, you know, we talk about it, moving the next 15 years or so for, for the Kansas City Chiefs, great win, first one in exactly 50 years, Super Bowl win for the first time in 50 years, which, by the way, if you saw any of that Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl uh, parade afterwards... Oh man, that was that looked like a blast. I wish I, I was really wishing I was there. 
Uh, real quick side note. Yeah, do, do you remember Jason Kelsey yes. uh, for the Philadelphia yep. Eagles? His speech, who'd you like better, Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey? I like Travis Kelsey. He's a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he was slightly uh, slightly more inebriated than uh, Jason Kel- Kelsey was. Um, or maybe Jason Kelsey's just a bigger guy. Uh, could hold it a little bit better. Of course, those are the two brothers, uh, Super Bowl champs, uh, each of them with their respective teams. But yeah, it was it was great to see it was great to see Andy Reid kind of have his moment in the sun after after so many times. But you know, going back to it, one last one last thing I'll say about this about the 49ers. We you know we're talking about Kyle Shanahan blowing it, and it seems to me like the national narrative and maybe even what you believe a little bit is that this is not going to be something that's going to follow him. This is something that he's going to overcome. But I think you got to you you don't need to look any further than the guy across the sideline in that Super Bowl to see what the narrative can be on a guy that hasn't won the big game and that continues to make mistakes in the, late in those games. You know, Andy Reid, that was the, the narrative that followed him for, what, 22 years in the league as a guy that made mistakes, clock management was not his thing. I mean, I think this is going to be something that follows Kyle Shanahan for all of his career until he gets the monkey off his back and gets that Super Bowl. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see, needless to say. Yeah, it would be very interesting to, to watch and watch it unfold. Um, I think he... You know, I think he's got a little bit better of a chance to, to get that monkey off his back earlier uh, in his head coaching career than, than Andy Reid. Yeah. yeah, very true. Well, yeah, as we said, of course, uh, Patrick Mahomes has his uh, Super Bowl celebration. Again, it was awesome to see him give Andy Reid the props that he had. So now we're looking ahead to the offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I guess we're talking about all these teams. What's I want to say one more thing what? about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. What? There was a play, I can't remember if it was the first half or the second half. I think it was the first half. And he, he ran it. And man, did he take a hit. Oh, yeah. It the, was the, down the, near the goal line. Yeah. That, that, yeah, he goes down. I mean, what, it was third down play. And, of course, he fumbles the ball out of bounds. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I love to see that. You know, yeah. uh, you like you're saying, you got 15 years, 10 years left of this guy, hopefully, you know, barring any injury. and But to, to just put it all out there, like, this is the Super mm-hmm. Bowl we're going to go out here and we're going to do this. I want this more than you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I love to see that from, especially from a quarterback. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I think that was, uh, you know, really indicative of what the chiefs really did as a whole in that game where they were going for it. I mean, that play resulted in what a fourth and one mm-hmm. chiefs, I think had what two, th- two or three different fourth down plays that they went for it versus, you know, the 49ers had that fourth and two play where they decided to kick a field goal. Yep. The Chiefs went for it in every single sense, whether it was Patrick Holmes going out there, running the ball or going for it on fourth down. And man, I'll, I'll tell you what, maybe, and I, I think when it comes to these moments, when, you, when we look back on some of the great Super Bowl moments, it comes down to the team that's more aggressive. It does. I mean, whether it's Sean Payton for the Saints kicking the onside kick, I mean, these moments where the coach says, no, we're not going to go out there and we're going to try and win this game. We're going to take this game. Can't hold anything back. Last <laughs> game of the year. Last game of the year, Brian. Can't hold anything back. Yeah, no, it, it really, like I said, that play right there was, in, it was really indicative of what the Chiefs were trying to or really did the entire game which was trying to impose their type of type of uh, style which eventually led to their win in the fourth but yeah as as we were saying moving forward to next year we're talking about the kansas city chiefs and really a quarterback market that is incredibly loaded i mean you look at the amount of free agent quarterbacks that are going to be out there of course patrick mahomes deshaun watson not going to be in that but that being said, they're going to play a huge part in what this quarterback market looks like for the future. So if you're sitting there as a Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, first offseason eligible for a new contract, man, is there any way at this point you think that the Chiefs can go to him and say, hey, 
We're going to take care of you. We're going to give you your 40, 45, 50 million dollars a year. But can you hold off for one season? Can we get one more season of Sammy Watkins? Can we get one more season with this defense where we don't have to make these astronomical changes and just run it back for one more year, get that Super Bowl, and we'll get you taken care of? If you're Patrick Mahomes, you think there's any chance he's sitting back there saying, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's run it back one more time. I mean, you know, I'd love to say it from from a fan standpoint. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd love to see that, but. Who knows what he's going to do? Who knows? Uh, you know, uh, they'll always get the numbers right. They always do. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see him, of course, take a cut or, or hold off a year so you guys can no, make another he, run he's at He's not it. taking a pay cut. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> when he gets his contract, he is going to reset the market in a way that people have never seen before. But if they can just uh, – one more year. If they can just get one more year out of Patrick or Patrick Mahomes, say play that final year, your rookie year or your rookie contract, we'll take care of you. We'll give you whatever you want. Just let us run it back one more time with Sammy Watkins, all these guys, because – when he gets that, when he gets that contract, there's going to be a lot of changes on that Kansas City Chiefs team. And I, I want to say your boy Cowherd brought it up on the uh, on the on on one of his shows uh, recently, where he talked about the last I want to say ten or fifteen Super Bowls, the Super Bowl winning quarterback in those yeah. games. I think the highest rate, the the biggest Manning. cap hit was Peyton Manning, which yep. was number nine, and he wasn't even a big uh, a big contributor to that Broncos Super Bowl. So essentially, what he was saying is that quarterbacks that get paid mm-hmm. doesn't really lead to team success. So you know, it's I mean, I think we're talking about a different a different animal with Patrick Mahomes, but if he gets that contract, obviously some things are going to drop off, and it's going to be a lot more on him than it is anybody else. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, that being said, of course, the, the Chiefs aren't the only ones with questions going into this offseason about what they're going to do with some contracts. So I'll transition to this, Devin. You're, you're wearing your Texans hat right there. You're the native Texans fan. About to be in Dallas, by the way. What's that going to be like, being a Texans fan in, in Dallas? Well, if Brady comes to Dallas, I might make the switch. Brady is not coming to Dallas. Get out of there. Get out of here with that. But that being said, of course, uh, Bill O'Brien, the big news for the Texans, named the GM. We talked about this a little bit last week on the show, but I'll ask Total you. Total control. Th- thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on this as a Texans fan? Oh, I love it, man. I love to see it. I love really? to see it. Yeah, full faith in Bill O'Brien. Oh, my. This AFC is, this South is, champs, Will. Let me stop you right there. AFC South champs, back-to-back years. We won a playoff game, okay? Consistent success. We're getting better every single year. Happy with medio- mediocrity. I, I you know, see you, it. I we see had a conversation it. the other day about spoiled fans, <laughs> okay? Okay. Texans are not spoiled a lot. They act spoiled. They shouldn't be. Okay, Bill O'Brien, right where we need to be. Okay, hey, I I, I respect that to a certain extent. I, I think I made that argument halfway through the season where I was talking about Bill O'Brien. This was his first year in full control, and it's undeniable this is the best team. And that what he's he had. do? Yeah, I mean, they and got, he made moves, and I'm, we got it done, and we won a playoff. Okay, game. he made moves, but was, were those moves that were he's like, and okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mortgage our future. We're just trying because, to win right now because I could be out of here in a year. No, it's not because we're. Gonna, I can be out of here in a year. It's because we got to pay Deshaun. Okay, so we got to win right now. Just like I would argue, just like Mahomes, if they got to pay Deshaun, he knows he's going to have to do that. You mortgage your future. You you mortgage those cheap first round picks, those cheap draft picks, and instead you're going to have to go out there and pay more money to free agents. I mean, I I just believe he he might have gotten into more than or he bit more than he could chew when it comes to this GM. Not with Billy. Not with Billy O'B. Okay. All right. So that being said, he's the general manager. You're a fan of it for some reason. I, I mean. 
I, I'm not going to disagree that the Texans made the wrong decision by putting him in full in full control. I think it is because I like I said I think he's bitten off more than he can chew. So let's talk about it. Let's dive into this here with, with Bill O'Brien as the general manager. We got new they got new contracts that are coming up for you know two of what are going to be the highest paid guys at their position or at least some of the highest paid guys. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson is going to be blank check. I mean he's going to be in the first year where he can get a new contract just like Patrick Mahomes. Laramie Tunsil, an upcoming free agent as well, which he just traded all these assets away i mean if if i'm these guys agents right now if i'm deshaun watson's agent or i'm laramie tunsils i am licking my chops right now because i'm looking at this and i'm saying okay a guy he's doesn't have any experience as a general manager at least outside of maybe this last year where he was the you know de facto gm so i'm looking at i'm laramie tunsil let's start with him laramie tunsil is sitting there and he's saying okay these guys traded what a couple first round picks for me they mortgage their future on me there's no way they can let me walk after one year right so if if laramie tunsil goes in there and says i want i want 80 million dollars four years what are you what are you saying bill o'brien what can what can you say at that point he says you mortgage the future for me i want 20 million dollars a year i want to be the new the the highest paid left tackle in football well you know i'm not going to get into into the numbers talk with you um i i do i do put my trust in bill though to, to make the right decision we do have a, a, a reputation of letting people walk after a year you're, you're, after you you're, traded the first round picks i mean your safety okay Tyron matthew let him walk uh, aj boye let but that him walk. was different that wasn't they didn't trade anything that's a one-year seven million dollar contract that they give to Tyron. Matthew. we have a reputation of letting people go okay okay I, and then you look at the flip side you got deshaun watson the guy that he's protecting pretty yep. much gave him the boat of confidence that said okay we're gonna go uh you know hey uh, Bill O'Brien's the man. He needs to be our coach. He gave the front office that boat, or I guess the the uh, ownership, and he said, this is the guy that needs to be there. So now Deshaun Watson's walking into negotiations and saying, okay, I gave you the boat of confidence. I want here's my I want a blank check. I'm going to fill it in. And what, what's he going to say at that point? You got to give it to him. There's okay. only a couple blank check guys in the league. Okay. You number 15. You got number three, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. Those are your blank check guys right now. Okay. All right. So if you're the Texans right now, I mean, same thing as Patrick Mahomes. This is the first year he's eligible for a contract. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at what Dak Prescott, which by all indications right now is going to get the franchise tag at this point, not going to get the new contract. But if you're the Dallas, I mean, if you're the Houston Texans and you're Bill O'Brien, you think it behooves them at this point to get in front of the market and re and give Deshaun Watson whatever he wants at this point, kind of like what yes. the Eagles did with Carson yes, Wentz. Exactly what the Eagles did. I mean, I, I just, it, it's, it just seems to me that if you, if Dak Prescott gets a new contract before Deshaun Watson, and let's say the Cowboys, you know, cave in and they give Dak thirty-five to forty million dollars a year, Texans are going to have to up that with Deshaun Watson. I mean, Watson's going to say, "Look at the productivity that I've that I've gotten you guys with far well, less." Would he talent. really though? I mean, Dak's won multiple playoff games. He, he has. He, he's won what one play? Did has he even won a playoff game? Yeah. I'm trying to think who because the the first year they were thirteen and three. And uh, they be, were the number one seed, but they lost to the the Packers. I can't remember yeah. if that was a conference championship. No, that couldn't have been the conference championship game. So they lost that year. Um, we'd have to look at it. I'm not sure he's got a playoff win on his resume. So that that might be something we're talking about. Deshaun Watson having a having a one up over Dak Prescott there. So all I'm saying is that anytime a quarterback resets the market, whether whether the next guy that comes after that is better or worse, they're going to have to one up that. That's just the, that's the nature of the market. People say this is what it is, and this is where we're going. So as soon as Dak Prescott gets thirty-five to forty million dollars a year, Deshaun Watson's coming in there saying, "How can we reset, reset the market again?" So I think if you're Bill O'Brien, I think priority number one needs to be 
Let's get out in front of this. We need to get Deshaun Watson his new contract before we're talking about Patrick Mahomes getting forty-five to fifty yeah. million dollars a year. So, going to be interesting to see the other the other questions for the Texans at this point is what they're going to do with that secondary. I mean, that's if we're talking about 35, 35 to Watson and what fifteen twenty to to Tunsil. I mean, we're talking about all the Texans cap space already being used up right there, and they don't even have a secondary at this point. So. Your boy Bill O'Brien has got his work cut out for him. At yeah, this well, point. he's the man for the job, so he'll get us out of it. Before we move on, real quick, because just let me ask you this: If you're the Texans right now, and you and I mean they let's let's say they give those new contracts there, defense is horrendous next year. They lose they lose the division title to whether it's the Colts or the Jaguars. If they miss the playoffs after they've used up their entire cap space, they've got no money. Now, and now, granted, the NFL is a, a league where you can find a lot of cap space really quickly. But if they give Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil these new uh, contracts, Texans don't make the playoffs, no cap space. That sounds like that sounds like a recipe for the end of Bill O'Brien. It does. Uh, you know, you're not the only one who thinks that. A lot of people want to see Bill out of there, but uh, he just keeps rising up in the chain. We'll see. I mean, he's got his work cut out for him as general manager. I mean, like I said, this is what he wanted: total control. So he's got know. it. Yeah, let's see what he does with it. Yeah. Uh, well, that being said, Bill O'Brien was not the only new general manager, I guess if you can call him a new general manager, named in the city of Houston. Uh, so we'll transition to this. Houston Astros finally got a new general manager. We talked about it last week after hiring Dusty Baker as a manager. Astros hired James Click, uh, vice president, executive vice president of the Rays. Uh, one of those guys really known to be at the forefront of the analytics or the Rays in general. Mm-hmm. So. Man, you know, there's a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to start by this. I don't know if you saw this, Devin. So there's a man by the name of Tim Brown who works for Yahoo Sports that he wrote an article talking about James Click becoming the new general manager of the Houston Astros. And sorry, I'm going to try and taper my emotions off here a little bit. But Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports came out there and wrote this article saying that the Astros shouldn't have hired James Click. Which keep in mind, this vice president job—it's a step beneath the general manager. So they gave him a—they gave him a step up mm-hmm. to come into one of the best organizations. I mean, at least from a talent talent richness uh, standpoint goes. So Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports comes out there and says that the Astros shouldn't have hired uh, James Click because it was quote unquote unkind and not in the spirit of the sport. After the Astros had these sanctions. Uh, levied against them for cheating, that it was unkind and that basically the Astros should have just taken somebody from outside the pool of current MLB uh, front office executives and things like that. What in the hell? That doesn't make any sense to me. So basically what the media is expecting the Astros to do at this point is to purposely self-destruct or else it's further evidence that the Astros have no, no moral compass. You know, first off, newsflash, everybody. Everybody in baseball is cheating, okay? Whether the extent of it is, you know, that the Astros did is more than anybody else in Major League Baseball, I'm not going to argue that. But the fact that the media and these people outside fully expect the Astros to go out there and say, we're going to just self-destruct, we're just going to sink in the weeds, and and we're not going to do anything, you know, that we're going to try and make as bad a general manager hire as we possibly could, is asinine. It is absolutely ridiculous, and it is just... I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a is a state on what baseball media is at or whether all sports media, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, for people to be so naive, naive to think that nobody in baseball is cheating at this point is ridiculous. But to further that, to think that the Astros shouldn't go out there and hire the best guy for the job, unbelievable. 
Absolutely unbelievable. I'm speechless about this. I'm absolutely speechless. And granted, I know that this is just one guy from Yahoo Sports and I'm letting myself get riled up. But needless to say, ridiculous. But back to it. Back to the actual hire itself. Devin, I think this is an incredible hire. You hired a guy that runs right along with what the Astros want to do from an analytical perspective. And from what my sources have told me, a guy that is just genuinely seems to be, and by all accounts, is a great guy, which I don't know about you. What do you think? I mean, I think this, that is exactly what the Astros need. They need stability within the organization. And just, and it just so happens that it's a guy that follows along with what the analytical culture that the Astros want to, you know, continue to have for the future. He, 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 he embodies that. Yeah. And like you just said, continuing the future of what they've built right now, as far as the analytics go, this guy can exactly fill right in the shoes that uh, that Lunau, yeah, Lunau, Luno, Luno mm-hmm. left, and uh, they can keep it going just the way they want it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's it, I could not have imagined a better hire for this. I mean, I'm not I, I didn't think that this type of talent pool was going to be you know available to the Astros at this point, but you know, I, I, James Click. I'm ecstatic for this. I mean, I think he's going to be a guy to, you know, really change, you know, not the cult, the analytical culture that I'm talking about, but just the culture in general. He's one of those guys that seems to be a good guy, seems to be able to be the type of guy that's going to be able to change everything here in the future uh, from the Astros, which is something that got out of hand for, for Jeff Luno and AJ Hinch. But that being said, the one thing we haven't even talked about, which we kind of mentioned, or at least I kind of mentioned with Steven and Chuck last week, Dusty Baker, the new manager, you know, Going, you know, furthering on the point that I'm making as far as the change culture, you know, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. But again, I think this is a great hire for Dusty Baker or for the Astros to hire Dusty Baker. I think what the Astros wanted to do initially, I think they wanted to hire internally. I think they wanted to go Joe Espada, the bench coach. Mm -hmm. They wanted him to be the manager, but they realized that this is going to be a lot of PR work on a new manager, Joe Espada, and this might not. This might not work out in the Astros' favors because a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, you're not changing the culture. Exactly, you're it's not bringing same, you're not yeah. bringing anybody new in. You're having the same guy." So I think this was a perfect hire. You get Dusty Baker in there, a guy that has inherited many a talented teams, and whether the postseason success is there or not, the fact is he wins games during the regular season, and he's willing to listen to the front office. And you could not imagine a better face that's going to handle this PR campaign that the Astros are going to have to deal with for 162 games at this year. So, you know, I think this is going to be a great fit for the Astros with Dusty Baker. I'm imagining what a two or three year run, maybe handing it off to Joe Espada at this point, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this? I think it's, I think it's a great hire. I think it's yeah, a great hire. Yeah, I do I agree. I mean, at this point, at this point, if, if the Astros can get back to the playoffs, man. Which they will. They have enough talent to get back to the playoffs. They have enough talent to you know, uh, actually get back to the to the World Series. Dude, how bad do you want to beat the Yankees? How bad? I just, I so, <laughs> like, if you get on any of these message forums, these Reddit posts, these things like this, dude, I have not seen people more, I don't know, triggered than I have Yankees fans this offseason. I mean, there people are sitting back. CC Sabathia, did you see CC Sabathia? He's like, there's no way you can convince me that 2017, that the Astro, that the uh, Astros would have beaten the Yankees if they weren't cheating at this point. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I just ask you this? Were the Astros cheating on the uh, on the defensive side? Because I'm pretty sure there was nothing levied against them about our pitchers, you know, holding them to three runs in four games at that yeah. point. Just you ridiculous. Know. Absolutely ridiculous at this point. But I'm really excited. It's to lonely get the at the top, started. man. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm gonna, you're you're moving to Dallas, so you know, I'll, I'll have to come out there. You know, the Rangers got a new stadium out yeah, there. Yeah, I heard it's indoors. Indoors, yeah. Thank God. I mean, I th- those games were brutal out there during the summer. What 99, 100 yep. degree heat. So it's gonna be fun. I'm excited nice about this stadium. Season. 
They got some uh, actual. They got some new players this year, didn't they? Rangers. Yeah. Uh, they, they. Yeah. They, they made some moves at pitching. They made. They made some moves. Uh, you know, obviously they they had kind of zeroed in on Anthony Rendon, uh, other guys like that. But uh, who was it that they got? They got a. They got a guy that. Uh, oh, Corey Kluber, the the, big, the the pitcher from the Indians. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously two-time Cy Young winner, but he's got a big, he's gonna have to be on the bounce back. Had a bad year last year, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm excited. I'm excited for this season. It's gonna be brutal. Uh, it's gonna be brutal. I mean, everywhere they go, I mean, they are gonna, I mean, people are gonna boo them out of the stadium. Oh yeah, the targets on your back. But it was already they, they're used to this. You know, they won the World Series. The targets on your back. You're gonna yeah. get every team's best game. Uh, yeah. You know, you get back to the World Series. All right, what did we get to? The, is it ALDS? ALCS. Oh, we Red got Sox. to the ALCS uh, two years ago. We, ALCS we, we, and then back to the World back Series. Back to the World Series, yeah. So, so. You, know, uh, you know, the target's on our back. We know that. Or mm-hmm. the, these guys know that. and They're used to it by now. I, I, I Yeah, and like I said, I, I don't think there's anybody better that's going to be able to lead them through this, whatever you want to call it at this point, than Dusty Baker. So, uh, you know, I'm excited for this year to get started. It's, I mean, hey, Astros are going to have a big target on your back. As I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, real quick before we move on, you saw uh, AJ Hinch tonight, five o'clock on MLB Network, is sitting down for an exclusive interview. So I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, they, they showed they showed that. one little tidbit from him, and um, they basically asked him, "Is it fair to question the or the the legitimacy of the uh, of the Astros' 2017 title?" And he said, "It's a fair question." So. I don't know if he's just going to kind of sit on the fence with every answer that he has, but I'm going to be interested to see what he has to say about that. Because, I mean, again, the report came out and said that it's not something that he initiated. It was obviously something he wasn't a fan of, but, again, that's not an excuse. Uh, well, moving on here, of course, we, we teased it in the opening segment. We talked about, of course, the other team in Houston. Big changes. There's big changes all around. Houston Rockets. Yeah, Houston's exciting, uh, exciting sports it really right is. now. It really is. So this the biggest news with the Rockets this last week, they trade Clinton Capella really don't don't acquire another center so rockets trade clapella unveiled the small ball lineup i think one of the smallest lineups we've seen in the last like 50 years or something like that so rockets go out there don't have a starter over what six foot six Mm -hmm. and they go out there and they take care of the lakers 121 111 uh you know obviously a little bit of backstory going into this the rockets have looked at this and they this is obviously something Mori had thought about. I mean, Rockets ten and one without Capella, six and zero when no player six foot six or taller plays five minutes or more. I don't know if that's something that's going to be shown as empirical or not, but at the same point, at the same time, I mean, they, they saw the stats there. So I'll ask you this: What, what did you see from the from this Rockets lineup? I mean, is it something that can work going through the rest of the year? I sure do hope so. Yeah, it looked good. Um, you know, uh, they're gonna the three point shooters they have. Uh, now the lane is completely cleared out. Mm-hmm. Russ, do your thing. Attack, attack, attack. Uh, go crazy, uh, which he did. He had, what, 40, 41 40, points? Yeah, 41 points, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I like it. Uh, I've only seen, you know, small sample size, but uh, so far I like it. It looked pretty good. Um, the uh, announcer last night made an interesting point mm-hmm. um, that when you run small ball, it's going to – it's going to make other teams, the opposing team, do silly things. They're going to force bad passes because they are like, oh, the they see know, the, the mismatch. They the see the mismatch open. inside Anthony yes. Davis versus PJ Tucker. So they try and attack that and attack that, and it, it creates turnovers. It creates different things you can do. And uh, so, I mean, I like it so far. It looked it look good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's a good point that you brought up there because, yeah, that's the one thing that people coming down the court, and we saw it last night, and sure, teams are going to make adjustments going further, or, you know, going forward, but. Yeah, that was the one thing I saw. You saw these teams try and force the ball in, 
And, you know, it, the Rockets had a plan when they got in the interior with Anthony Davis. A lot of times you saw him double teaming over. Mm-hmm. But the Rockets have the physical defenders to be able to defend them. I know the height is going to be a mismatch. And you get a guy. Now, I know he's not playing this year. But you get a guy like Kevin Durant that, yeah. you know, obviously is going to be able to shoot over you. Uh, you know, players like that are going to cause problems for him. But I agree right now the small ball lineup. I, I, I think it's something that can work, forcing these mismatches. Now, again, whether teams will figure this out, but the one thing that people don't realize, I mean, think about what, we're 26 years old at this point. So I'm try, I, I was thinking about this last night. I'm trying to think of the, the scariest five guys or the scariest five guys that were on the court at the same time in our lifetime, you know, for one team. And you know what I kept coming back to was the, the quote-unquote death lineup that the Warriors had a few years ago where basically they went small, no center. They had, what, Steph, Clay, Draymond, KD, or Livingston before KD got there, and, then and Andre Iguodala. Or Andre, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the scariest five, five guys. So for people to sit back and say that, oh, this lineup is not going to work, it has no chance, I'm like, look back to this Warriors team. And granted, I know this is not the Warriors team. I know mm-hmm. we don't shoot like the Warriors yeah. do. But at the same time, th- this is, this is going to I mean, I think this is going to work. The problem that the Rockets are going to have is I'm not sure they have the knockdown three-point shooters that they have. I mean, when they get hot, they get hot. But yeah. at the same time... The consistent, the consistent making. Yeah. If, if they, they go need. cold at any point, I mean, you saw that last night in the late in the Lakers game, which they got themselves back into yeah. it. But if they go cold... And we've seen them go cold. We've seen James go, you know... What would what, he go one for twenty? Yeah, I mean, what he's been in, he's been in a cold slump for the last. I know he's kind of picked it up recently, but over the last month, I mean, it's been Russ that's carrying this team. But yep. but yeah, I mean, it, it's I mean, if they can stay hot from three, and I mean, we've seen what the small ball lineup does to teams like the Utah Jazz. We saw what it did to the Lakers, and granted, I need a bigger sample size, like you said, to see what goes on later in the year. But this is obviously shown to be something that can work, and. D'Antoni had a lineup like this when he was with the Suns. Yeah, he did. Uh, they were a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, uh-huh. but it was similar. It yeah, was, it Sean, was Amari Sotomayor, Sean yep. Marion. Uh, I mean, yeah, he 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 knows how to construct this, and I mean, this is what D'Antoni wants to do. D'Antoni wants to get in transition. He wants it to be a fast-paced game, and mm-hmm. he wants to shoot threes. Which, I mean, I think if we're talking about just a pure transition, a pure transition team, I mean, having guys like Russell Westbrook out there are going to be perfect. I mean, yep. a, a lot of people call, call, call them ball stoppers, but. If they can get in transition, I mean, this is going to be one of the scariest five guys that you're going to see in a lineup in quite some time. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what what's going to happen with this one. I mean, as we said, it, you know, th- this could be one of those like wildcat things where people figure it out, figure it out. And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it doesn't translate well to, to um, the postseason. But at the same time, you always got You always got to admire Darren Moore and the Rockets for willing to evolve, willing to try and do whatever it takes to get better, no matter how crazy that is. So. You know, I, I think I think Russ's tenacity on D and his ability to push the pace. I mean, I think that alone is going to make it a, a huge pickup for the Rocket or his pickup in this offseason, a huge pickup for him because I think he's going to fit the system a little bit better than what Chris Paul would have done. So, yeah, no yeah. more threes, Russ. No more threes. <laughs> well, hey, he's that's that's been a key part of why he's been better and why yeah, he's been, done a lot better them. this year. So. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see. I it, at the very least, they're going to be a lot more fun. I yeah. mean, and I tip my hat to whoever sat Russell Westbrook down and told him and showed him that he can't shoot a three <laughs> and he needs <laughs> to stop. Could it have been James Harden? Is it whoever possible? it was? I tip my hat to him that sat him down and said, "Look, man, here are the numbers. You can't shoot threes. All time terrible three. Quit doing shooting. it. Drive to the rack and hit a little jumper every now and again. That's what we need you to do. So yeah, and someone it, showed him, and you know, thank God for them. Yeah, it's just, man, I, I, I question whether or not we're going to see that come playoffs. Is, if, is that playoff Russ going to come over where he's where everybody goes cold? And, you know, you want a guy to take the ball and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to take over this game. But 
Russ maybe uh, maybe takes that too uh, too far an extent when it comes to trying to take over a playoff game. So yeah, yeah, gonna be interesting. So what do you think about? Uh, I wanted to bring this up. What do you think about my, about my man TB12, the goat? Oh, well, what do you think about okay, him? Okay. Well, where's where's he going? Is he staying in New England? Is he going to Dallas? Dude, he is not. Is going he going to L.A.? No way, man. No, no. he's going to stay in Foxborough, huh? I it just, I mean, if we're talking about from a brand, from his brand to the best possible situation for him, Dallas. Da- no, indoors. Man. Defense, running he's, game, dude, weapons. He's Forty-two. He's not going to want to move to Dallas for a year. It's not going to. It's not going to turn into Debbie does Dallas. Tom Brady ain't going down there. Okay, it's not happening. No, Tom Brady. I think is going to stay exactly in, in, in New England. And if the reports are correct that the Patriots are willing to offer him the upwards of thirty million dollars, dude, he needs to take that. Because I mean, but does it really though? I mean, what are they going to do for him? If I'm Tom Brady, I've got all the money in the world. I've got the hottest wife. I've got everything I ever want. I'm going to say, look, what are you going to do for me? I want to get back to the Super Bowl. I want to win the championship. That's what I do. I got six of them. And who do you honestly think about this? Who do you think gives him the best chance to get back to the Super Bowl? The Dallas Cowboys or? Personnel-wise, the Dallas Cowboys or the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, all right. So let's uh, first we'll unpack the Los Angeles Chargers okay. real quickly. You want you're telling me that Tom Brady wants to go to a team that a has no offensive line, no offensive line Debatable, whatsoever. But okay, okay. He wants to go there, move halfway or halfway all the way across the country at this point, and then he wants to go to a division where he's going to have to face Patrick Mahomes two times a year, where he's not even going to be the favorite to win the division. Okay, a, a team that is is you know marred in inconsistency and you know front office changes Mm -hmm. i i I can't imagine him going to los angeles yeah he's got a good tight end he's got good wide receivers doesn't have an offensive line and he has to go to face patrick mahomes two times a year no way i see him going he already beat patrick mahomes he beat him in the afc championship you think he's worried about him do I think he's worried about? It? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's not worried about, about Patrick Mahomes. Dude, no, no way. Okay, well, let's look at Dallas then. He goes indoors. Brady doesn't have an ego, so he can let Jerry Jones do all the. You're telling me Tom Brady doesn't have an ego? Brady doesn't have the biggest ego. Why he's making such a stink about wanting to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks? Because he's the greatest quarterback to ever play, Will, and he wants a, just the little bit of, of you so know, he's appreciation got a little bit from of an ego. So you're saying he's got a little After bit of. After 20 years of doing this, of, of playing at this level, for 20 years for the same franchise, he wants Bill to say, look, man, I love you. I want you here. You know, come, come here. I love you. He wants to put his arms around him, but okay. Bill won't do that. So you know what Brady's saying? Look, I've got nothing here. I've gave you everything. I'm gonna go to Dallas. I got Jerry Jones. I've got uh, Mike McCarthy. I've got an offensive line. I've got Zeke running the ball. I've got weapons. I think it's a good fit. I th- no, I, I I completely disagree because if you if we're looking at the state of the Dallas Cowboys right now, and they, Dak wants forty million, Brady says he'll take thirty. Okay, but at the same time, you're gonna. I mean, you can franchise Dak for this upcoming year. You're gonna. Are you convinced that Tom Brady is gonna get you to a Super Bowl? First, absolutely. Off? Okay, so absolutely. It, okay, so at the same time, if you got to bring in Tom Brady, that means so you're letting Dak walk. Sure, yeah, whatever. let him walk. Okay, fine. So you're talking about having one to two years with sign Brady for two with, years. Okay, so then you're what? You're going to pay him thirty, thirty-five million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So or, or, okay, so they're going to have to pay him probably more than the Patriots would pay at this point. So that means you're letting Amari Cooper walk. Amari Cooper is not going to be. They're not going to be able to re-sign him at this point. You've already you're already on the books for a lot of money when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the defensive side. I mean, I know they've they've locked in Jalen Smith, things like that, but. I don't think the Cowboys are a great fit for Tom Brady. First off, he's going to be having to change his complete his 
you know surroundings he's gonna have to uh, you know recreate everything in there no state tax for a 42 year old guy that's not gonna want to change it he's I, dude they, no state tax giselle's worth more money than him okay money if, if we're talking about him being the highest paid quarterback it's all about respect it's not about him needing the money it's about respect no if we're talking about outside of new england if we're talking about the best places for him to go to win the super bowl Indianapolis, uh, you know, Tennessee, places like that are the best football fit for him. But at the same time, they're not a big enough market for him. The, and honestly, at the end of the day, the best chance for him to win is with the New England Patriots. You I really mean, think so? I really think so. With I, I Ben think, Watson and, and Gunnar Olszewski at the slot? Dude, okay, all I'm saying is that if... You, if the one thing you have to trust in is Bill Belichick. Okay, so I, I, I mentioned this earlier on the show. Bill Belichick... Go after they lose the Super Bowl to the Eagles, they give up forty-one points, lose forty-one to thirty-three. Because he sat Malcolm Butler, right? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's the reason they give up forty-one points, but the reason they lost is because their defense gave up a thousand yards or whatever it was, mm-hmm. not a to thousand. Nick Foles. Yeah. So Bill Belichick made a promise at that point. He said, "Never again am I going to lose because of my defense." So why, if I'm Tom Brady, why am I not sitting back and saying Belichick did that? And then he obviously knows we lost because of the weapons or the lack of weapons that we had at this point. So. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm going to say, okay, they're offering me $30, $35 million trying to make me one of the highest paid quarterbacks. Let's run it back one more year. This is comfortable. This is where I've been. This is the best chance. And I'm going to go to Belichick and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to to come back. Because whether or not people want to to say Belichick wants Brady or gone or not, Belichick is going to realize Brady is his best chance to win another Super Bowl, at least for the near future. Okay. So Belichick's, Brady's going to go to him. He's going to say, I need weapons. Belichick. I think he's going to be happy to oblige that. He's going to make it happen. And think about it. I mean, there are plenty of weapons that are going to be available in this like offseason. AJ, uh, AJ Green's going to be available. Okay. We could be talking about Amari Cooper. If the Cowboys have to franchise Dak Prescott, that means they're not going to be able to fr- franchise Amari Cooper. They're going to have to throw money his way, which they might. They might do that. But there are going to be weapons out there that are going to be available. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jared Cook signed a one-year deal with the Saints, which is a guy they initially wanted in New England. So I just think New England... As much as as fun as it is to talk about Tom Brady going to other places, whether it's Los Angeles, New York, wherever, I think New England's the place. Well, to be determined, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, this this is going like I said, this is going to be one of the most fun off seasons that we've had in some time because you know we always talk about NBA off season with these big free agents, mm-hmm. uh, talk about the MLB, NFL. This is the first time I, I can I can remember a quarterback market like this being available where there's so many guys out there that. You know, might not necessarily look at Super Bowl winning quarterbacks or, or super or guys that are going to get you to a Super Bowl, but they can definitely change the franchise at this point. So it's going to be fun. All right, man. Well, hey, I, dude, I, I did not expect this show to go a whole hour, but man, it was fun talking with you. It was. I had a good You're time. gonna have to come on again before you come uh, before you go off to Dallas. I will. And I swear, if you become a, a, a Cowboys or a Rangers <laughs> fan, I will come up there and I, I I will I will beat it out of you. I'm just letting you know right now. Maybe the Cowboys. I don't know. Depending on what Bill does. Maybe the Cowboys. Maybe the Cowboys. How can you even wear that Texans that Texans hat? And hey, look, man, they're not paying me, okay? So <laughs> I, I pledge myself to them every Sunday or every Monday or whatever it is every single year, okay? I deserve something. I, and I, if they're not gonna if they're not gonna produce something, it's gonna continue to be you know what it is, and they're not getting better or making smart moves and then y'all jump ship i don't have no allegiance to let them. me just tell you as a chiefs fan going on i guess i'm not, I'm not gonna say like for full 26 years i watched football but for i'm gonna say for 21 years of being a chiefs fan 
waiting for this moment. It took me tw- 21 years of my lifetime before exactly. they even got a playoff win. So, I mean, how do you actually feel I'm about trying, that? I'm you just, watched total garbage for 20 years. I'm just saying, man, stick with it. It's worth it. Everybody out there, stick with it. You know, there there is a slight, uh, you know, masochist, you know, element for me. You know, that kind of, I was thinking about after they won the Super Bowl, I was kind of like, man, something is a little bit more fulfilling about losing in the most, you know, heart-wrenching fashion than there is to, you know, the satisfaction of, of, of winning a Super Bowl, saying that I stuck with them. But no, don't get me wrong. It's worth it. Stick with them. You know, that, that's my one thing for you. And, and don't become one of those Dallas fans, man. Why not? Dude, just don't. You know Dallas fans know. are the worst. I don't have to tell you the reasons why. I might become a Mavs fan. I, I like Luka. I can't can't blame you. He's that's fun a fun team to watch. Yeah, I hate the Mavericks, but they are a fun team to watch. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all the time that we have for today. Devin, till next time. If not, good luck in Dallas. Like I said, I'll, I'll be Thank checking you, on you. Don't become one of those Dallas things. You know <laughs> what they say. I'll end this on this. You know, the worst thing to come out, or what's the only good thing to come out of I-45 South, Houston. There that's you right. go. <laughs> I, th- I think I might have butchered that. But anyway, well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure that you tune in next Friday. Uh, of course, we'll be breaking down NFL, NFL offseason as well. We'll have another week of that Rockets small ball lineup as well. Astros one week closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. Thank you so much. But you've been listening to Wildcard Sports on Clear Lake today.